Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. My name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And man, I'm excited because today we have Shane Kidwell. He is the founder of Next Level Loan Officers and Dwell Mortgage. And man, I'm excited because we've been talking a lot recently and I'm excited to dive into you know some of the things that you're doing with Next Level Loan Officers, Dwell Mortgage, but also like, you know, your story, man. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, man. Well, first off, I love flipping the script on real estate agents. That's like my love language. So we're here, man. I love it. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I started in 09. When I started in the business, I was a full-time fireman. So I was dabbling in mortgages. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And unbeknownst to me at the time, I just love building things. So I got in. I remember I was Googling how to like find FHAMI percentages and all that stuff. I had like the zero framework for building anything successful but I worked hard and I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was probably to my benefit. So got in pretty early on in the retail space. I was a broker to start. The FBI raided our company, not my company. <laughs> the FBI what? raided the company I worked at. And so that was probably, you know, an indication that at the time that space wasn't the right space for me to be in. Mm-hmm. Went retail. And then in 2016, after growing my mortgage business, building a branch on the retail side, I retired from the fire department. And I love flipping the script, love looking at things from unique angles around that time. You know, I had a coach who was really good at framing things. And he said, Shane, you know, you're jumping over hundreds to pick up pennies. And there was no disrespect to being a fireman, but man, there's a ceiling on your financial livelihood, blue collar work. And I loved it. I was a fireman for 12 years, my dream job. I remember the day I quit, took an early retirement. I was crying because I just loved that job. But I knew that there was something for me that was different. So I had a coach who walked me through the process of early retirement. And then I got other coaching opportunities, coached with David Goggins for about a year. I got yelled at on the phone lovingly every Sunday night for almost 12 months. And this was when he was starting his second or third or fourth career as a smoke jumper. So sometimes he would miss his call because he was off the radar doing right. something. And so I've, right. I've always really been attracted to entrepreneurial people. I just love the process and love working with people whose minds are constantly going. And so we built Next Level, wanted to surround ourselves with more like-minded people through a bunch of different markets in 19, 21, covid and now, and so I still carry my mortgage license. I have a small brokerage based in Seattle, Washington, but my passion is helping other people, you know, really break out from what they think they're supposed to be and think they're supposed to do or what they're told to be or told to do and just really be themselves, be unique. Man, I love that. When it comes to entrepreneurship and business in general and, and really life in general, I think mindset is the key indicator, right? And and so it's funny, you know, I was just talking to you about my buddy in the reverse mortgage space, but he used to be my boss. And he used to tell me this, control what you can control back then. And this was before I got into personal development and stuff like that, before I became an entrepreneur. And it used to piss me off so much, like control what you can control. What are you talking about? No, it's the company's fault. It's, you know, I can't get business because, you know, we're way off. And I realized, you know, after becoming an entrepreneur and learning about personal development and kind of going down that rabbit hole, like just how important and the mindset you approach life with. And so many times people see, you know, challenges and things like that as like these bad things. It's like, yes, of course, like, I don't love to go through challenges. I don't think anybody loves to go through them, but I see them as opportunities to grow. And I see them as opportunities to learn and continue to expand 
the things that I'm capable of doing. And so, you know, when you talk about like helping people do that, I think that's huge. And it's interesting enough. I just saw someone the other day that said that coaching is a scam. Like I want to get back into a little bit more of your story, but give me your thoughts on that because I know that's a big hot topic in the mortgage space or really in any space. Yeah. I think that people have different definitions of coaching, but Mm -hmm. for the last gosh, seven years, I've had personal development done so by an outside resource who has a different frame of reference from mine, Mm -hmm. but has my best interest at heart. You don't need to pay for somebody to do that. Now, I mean, I wanted to pay somebody. I said to all these people, and they've said this to me, like, they're going to give me their unbiased, unfiltered assessment of me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to go into a beauty pageant, like, and you think you're gorgeous, but like, you maybe aren't like maybe you're colorblind and your outfit doesn't match. It's imperative that somebody tells you, Hey, Luke, your makeup and your dress don't match your hat and your shoes don't look good together. Right. It's like going to the gym and you know, you're like, you're seeing a guy pushing on the Bowflex machine or whatever. And you're like, Oh, that seems about right. That dude looks ripped. I'll just do that. Well, what if that's his like cool down from a three hour intensive workout that he does with a highly paid professional coach. Right. So I think there's a lot of people out there that are full of crap that aren't or haven't done the job that they're now coaching. Like when I was a professional fireman, I worked in a small department for six years, great guys. But I remember specifically one day I'm on like a pitched roof and this was like a prop that you would use to cut holes in roofs so that when you had a fire, like you could help remove the smoke from a house. And the guy teaching me how to cut the hole in the roof and like do this exercise had never experienced it in real life. Mm. And I'm thinking, I'm like, how does this guy know, other than what he's read in a book, how to do this? Then I moved to Seattle and I worked in Seattle for six years. And my captain had been an LA County firefighter during the Rodney King riots, had significant experience, was on like regional rescue teams. That dude got on that same roof prop and he had a completely different outlook on how to operate on that roof in that prop because he was a professional with experience in that field. Mm -hmm. So I think coaching is BS if it's done by somebody who hasn't done it or has the wrong intention. Like if the reason you're coaching is you need to make more money and you can't make money on loans or whatever, like you can't operate a gym because you're not a good entrepreneur, but maybe you can coach people on how to work out at a gym. Like I would always say, Hey, like, let me look at your tax return for the last five years. And if the tax return isn't more than the tax return I want to have, I'm probably not coaching with that person. Right. Right. So, but I also think there are incredible people out there. I mean, I right now have two personal coaches that I pay for and they're very different. One is all about structuring business, how to build business, scale and sell. And he's an awesome, incredible guy. He's a believer. He's got a really good foundation in his life outside of work. Mm -hmm. And like, I need that in my life as I'm navigating, operating and owning multiple companies. I have another guy who's super positive. He was a pastor for 25 years and he was a surfer in SoCal. And now he's a business coach and he has a completely different perspective. So I think it's really dependent on the person you're working with and your willingness to do what's required to get what's desired. Right. And I agree. I mean, you know, one of the things that I will say is, unfortunately, you you may have to kiss some frogs along the way to find your prince, right? And I think the problem is that people take one experience and they extrapolate that to like all coaches are scammers. It's just like, no, like you may have just not have the discernment to understand that this person was not where you wanted to be. Right. And so as you start to do this and you fail, right, you hire the wrong person, you pay for the wrong program and start to learn, okay, now I know what to look for in my type of coach. And, and I agree, right? Like, you know, it's just like Michael Phelps or Kobe Bryant, like these guys had 
coaches, right? They had their main coaches for the team, but they also had a physical trainer coach. They had a, you know, a conditioning coach, right? A mental I mean, coach. Know, a mental coach. Exactly. Right. I mean, I've worked with right now, I have an executive coach helping me level up to be a CEO of, you know, of a company that wants to grow things like that. Right. But I've had hired coaches over the years for multiple different things. And again, <laughs> I've hired some bad coaches and I've paid for some programs. Same. But that being said, like, I still learned lessons from those things. You can always learn a lesson if you take full responsibility for your place in life. 100%. 100%. Right? And I think, too, one thing, sorry to interrupt you, Luke, but Facebook and these other social media platforms also give people a microphone and a pulpit yes. that yes. haven't earned the right to speak on a topic. I go, went into one of the mortgage Facebook groups and I said, hey, who do you recommend for mortgage coaching? I can guarantee you with 100% certainty, I'll bet you my brand new Ford Bronco that I waited three years to get. I will bet my favorite possession right now that at least half the people in there who are negatively commenting on coaching probably didn't do what the coach was asking them to do. Right. Oh, don't work with Shane. Like he's a terrible coach. And then I'm like, yeah, that guy didn't show up to half of his calls. Right. It's like the guy at the gym who's like, hasn't lost any weight, but blames his nutritionist. Well, if you're eating Kit Kats at midnight, you're probably not going to perform well in the program. And so, right. and again, I think too, if a coach isn't getting coached, that's something else I would ask. Like if your Agreed. coach isn't getting coached, like if they think they've reached the pinnacle, that's not a good coach. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I mean, there's levels to this stuff. So, you know, hundred percent. I know we've talked about this for a little bit and we can probably talk about the whole podcast episode, but I want to get into some tangibles that people can implement real quick. Like, I just wanted to learn a little bit more. I mean, I know you started as a firefighter. What was kind of the struggles and the grind and like, how long did it take for you to sort of get traction within the mortgage space and to start closing deals consistently? Yeah. So I started in 09 and my first year I did one deal. Now, again, I was a fireman. So like my motivation was still not really fully there. My second year I did two deals, no clue what I was doing. Then in like 13, I started surrounding myself with more like-minded people. But okay. during that time, I've always been blessed with a unique perspective. I kind of look around objects. So instead of going like, oh man, there's a rock in the road, I go, what's on the other side of the rock? And how do we remove the rock? And who wants to remove the rock? And how do we do it with the best tools? So I got in and really early on with a company called Redfin. I mean, I closed 150 loans with Redfin. Like my first year, like really working the business, still part-time, I did 8 million in production. This was back in like 2012. Then I did 16 million, then I did 32 million. Like I doubled my production like three years in a row, part-time with, by that point, I had like a full-time LOA. I got up to about 60 million personal production, but my goal was never to be the $100 million producer. What I wanted to do is own multiple businesses and have different streams of income. So my claim to fame was that, you know, I was a full-time fireman and one month I made more money in mortgage than I made in a year in the fire department. I mean, I didn't even understand how taxes worked until I became like an entrepreneur, you know? And so my second company, my first kind of entrepreneur activity was building my insurance company. So okay. I built an insurance company, dumped a lot of the profits over the last five years into that. I built a co-working space. I have a multifamily apartment syndication company. And so for me, like right now, I'm pissed off that we're not winning more in mortgage, but I'm not fearful of how I'm going to feed my family. And so for sure. that, I'm truly blessed and thankful. But I just continue to grow my mortgage business until I got to the point where it was no longer exciting for me to get another loan. What became more exciting for me was helping you get another loan. Mm -hmm. And when that transition occurred, I said, it's not about personal production. So I stopped. And again, there's guys who like coach and like support and also do like 500 million with a team of 15 or whatever. But that just wasn't my passion. I wanted to learn and then share what I learned with others. I love it, man. It's funny because, you know, people do talk about the coaching thing and they say, oh, those that can't do teach, right? 
And I think a lot of times that's not necessarily true. You're right. I mean, there's some people that, you know, maybe are doing it that probably shouldn't be doing it. And there's some people that maybe didn't do it at a high level, but still know how to, you know, do turnarounds or things like that, right? Maybe they're really good at working with executives and getting them to communicate better, things like that, right? That doesn't mean they have to have been a CEO, but they have to have done the thing that they're yes. claiming they can do, right? So again, I mean, that's the discernment thing. And I think, unfortunately, like the way you gain discernment is by failing a little bit and, yeah. and hiring the wrong people a little bit and moving forward and saying, you know what, that was just a lesson. Now I know what to look for. Again, I don't want to get back into the coaching thing. But again, let's get in some of the strategies. Like, because I know you, you got next level loan officers, you're doing strategies all the time. You're helping loan officers continue to grow their business. I know we're in a market right now, uh, September of 2023, the market's hard, right? I mean, we've been talking yeah. about this now for what, 18 months the market's hard. It's turning, it's turning, it's turning. Now people are saying, you know, Q2 of 2024, which is what they were saying about 2023. What do you suggest for people in this market to go out there and do to sort of attract more business? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you've got to be present on social media. And not just present, but authentically present and really, really consistent in that. I'm still an active originator, but when I get referrals now, I give them to my team. Mm -hmm. I'm still getting referrals all the time, Luke, because I have my engagement on social media. And like, I know you're an unfiltered guy, so I can be unfiltered. I'm not even really performing at my best on social. Right, right. We talk about in next level and just in general is focusing on the actions that matter. Those things mm -hmm. that are your ATMs, right? That generate revenue if you do them consistently, the non-negotiables. And for me, posting twice a day, using video, educating people, but I really don't often talk directly about mortgage. Right. I'm not the guy who says, hey, here's a flyer for loan limit updates. Did you see MI just went down on FHA? And I'm not knocking that, but like, if that's all the stuff you're doing, you're not going to be that likable, approachable, or memorable. And you've got to be all of those things, likable, right. approachable, and memorable online. So, you know what I forgot to mention when I really felt my business start to like grow quickly was when I started wearing a backwards hat. I stopped wearing a suit and tie. I started being myself. I'm a sure. flip-flops, shorts, hoodie, backwards. I'm a SoCal tuxedo guy, yeah. right? Like that's me. And this is my suit. This is my uniform to the point where two days ago I was being interviewed because I'm presenting at AIM. Okay. And they're like kind of walking through expectations and like, hey, like kind of here's the dress code that, you know, it's going to typically be what people wear. And I'm like, hey, dude, I hope you don't mind. But what you're seeing is what you're going to get, bro. Right, right. Hoodie and a backwards hat. I wear a nice backwards hat. It's really a nice one. It's a good hoodie, but like, yeah. that's my style. And number one, authentic engagement on social media. Tell your personal story. If you're going to talk about work, summarize. You know, when we watch and consume news and information now, I want you to summarize a bunch of stuff for me and tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to think. That's just the truth. Look at how people consume news nowadays, right? right. So if you're going to talk about business, summarize it and do it in a way that is relevant to today's market. If you're going to talk about a DSCR loan, don't talk about a DSCR loan. Talk about house hacking. It's the same thing. It's like you don't talk about the shovel. You talk about the hole you're going to dig. I might be selling a shovel. So social media is number one. I think that, you know, separate from social media is having a daily plan to engage with people is super important. And mm -hmm. we do that through a strategy we call our 54321. It's setting the expectation that you're going to engage with five people's posts online a day. And when I say engage, don't just like it and not process it. Like you did a post the other day talking about like just your life and some of the things you've gone through with ADHD and other things. Like 
I'm going to engage on that. Like, dude, thank you for sharing. I have similar things in my life. Like engage. That's right, engagement. Right, right. Five. 100%. Four, sending private messages to people based on your interactions online. I did this with you. This is how we met. I'm like, hey, bro, you're in SoCal. Like, I'm thinking of going to San Diego. Like, I think we've yeah. met before, but like, that's engaging, right? Four of those a day minimum. This is minimum standard. Three, conversations. You know, they did a poll, and I think it was like Reuters or one of the big polling companies. And what they found was that in sales, our initial conversations, me just calling you on the phone is worth two to $400 in future revenue, right? You want to make more money? Do more calls. So we say at minimum, call three people a day that aren't in your active sphere, that aren't already giving you money. Create two posts a day. One should have a video and have one in-person meeting a day. Five, four, three, two, one. That's the second component. So relevant branding on social, consistent actions every day, and then creating three to four different pillars for your business. Meaning that if you're really good at Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, like you're good at the core products, great. That's one component of your business. That's one pillar. That's one leg of your chair. You need to have two or three others. I would say have a niche. That niche could and should be like online lead generation so that you control the process, right? Which goes back to the topic of this exact conversation. I would say like a reverse would be a good niche, right. something like that. I would also say like, hey, I'm looking at, okay, what am I passionate about? If it's veterans, go really deep into understanding that. Not just like I do VA loans, like understand housing allowances and other things about the veterans, where bases are opening and closing. But I would say have three to four different pillars to your business. If you do that, you focus on those, you become an expert, like a true expert, not like what we've been over the last season. Like loans were just falling in our laps. Right. And like all you had to be an expert on is how to like not crash your car on the way home from work because you worked 14 hours locking loans, right? right like you right, right. just weren't really that good about things in the last season. And we need to be better. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And I was almost going to post the other day of like, you're really a sales professional. If like you haven't reviewed one of your sales calls or consumed any sort of sales material in the last month, right? Like, let's be honest, how many people have even ever reviewed their sales calls? Yeah, I would wager most people have never reviewed a single one of their sales calls. And just so you know, if you're listening to this, your sales calls are atrocious. Yeah, they suck. They absolutely they suck. suck. They suck. If you've never reviewed them, they well, 100% suck. There's no strategy behind it. And again, it right. goes back to like, what is your intent? If your intent is, I just want to win the deal, you're not going to win. Your intent right. has to be like, I actually want to understand and get to know Luke. And I need to listen, right? Which is hard for guys like me, like ADHD, man. I'm squirrel yep. all yep. the time. But, and I said this the other day, and I firmly believe it, like the currency in 2024 is at some level going to be generosity. If you're like being super generous with your time, with your efforts, with your education, your knowledge, and you're listening to people and you're asking probing questions in a cool way. Hey, Luke, you mentioned, you know, that like you've got money for a down payment coming from multiple sources. What do you mean by that? Oh, I've got money at different accounts. What type of accounts? Where are they? Where did they come from? Again, it like be a professional, ask good questions. When I was a fireman, I was an EMT. And if somebody called 911, I came out to us and said, hey, I'm sick. I'm going to say, great. Can you tell me more? I don't feel well. In what part of your body? My leg. When did this start? When did this happen? Like you would not expect a doctor to come in the room and do an intake call with you like we do with our future clients. It's atrocious. And so, yeah, and I say this all the time, prescription without diagnosis of malpractice, right? You don't go to a doctor's office and they give you, you know, Vicodin. Yeah. It's like, no, no, dude, I have IBS. What are you talking about? Why are you I believe there's a class action lawsuit for this going on right now. Right. Big pharma, right? Right, right. A hundred percent. But again, I mean, we talk about this all the time in terms of second, third level questions when you're asking questions. Because so many times salespeople, and this is not just a dig at loan options. This is a dig salespeople Everyone. across the board. Salespeople think that the pitch is the most important part. 
I'm going to pitch my thing, my thing. So we do that with realtors. We do that with consumers as a salesperson. Like I review my team's calls and they're literally pitching six minutes into the call. I'm like, what are you pitching? You have no idea. What's the guy's pain point? Where's he at? And where's he trying to get? Maybe what our solution is, is not what they want. Maybe they want more referral partners and they need to just go freaking talk to more referral partners. I don't know, whatever it is. Like we can't diagnose that without understanding their pain point. And again, so many times people, I said this a while back too, is the online application is the worst thing to ever happen to the mortgage industry. The reason I said that was not because I believe that the tool itself is bad. What I believe is bad is that, especially over the last few years, when it has been easy, loan officers got lazy and they think that a qualified buyer should literally fill out a full application before they talk to them. You're like, what are you talking about? That is not how the world works. Would you do that in any area of your life? Like, I'm not going to go to a car lot and before I walk on the car lot, jump on an iPad and fill out a 15 minute questionnaire where they pull my credit before I've ever touched a car. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not doing that until after I've test drove multiple cars, talked to salesmen, understood everything, dug in on the extended warranty, and then I'm going to apply. So I agree with you. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. We call this a power conversation. It's the most powerful time in the transaction. I don't quite frankly even feel like I need to pitch at all. Right. Because I'm talking to somebody and I just had a conversation. I did an intake call the other day with a guy moving from Colorado to Washington. He's a tech guy. And as I'm talking to him, he said, I've already met with four other lenders. I've got multiple references from my real estate agents. And like most of those are like, oh, crap, I'm defeated, man. And they're like right, sneaking right, right. down in a chair. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Good for you. I would do the same thing. Why are you having a call with me if you've already talked to all these people? Well, I'm just looking for another best. Can I be honest with you? My approach is this, and I just listed out my approach. I'm unfiltered. I want to give you my true, honest opinion without the filter. I'm not going to wear a suit and tie. I'm a strategist, man. My job is to help you not for today, but like long-term. Right. You've talked to these people, but have they ever talked to you about the following? And he's like, no, they haven't. I go, well, what about this? And have they done this? And like, let's compare their quote versus mine. And do you understand the difference between how their company is structured and mine, a brokerage? And none of them had done any of that. Right, of course. Right? So after 20 minutes, introduced my production partner into the process. And now we're moving forward with this guy because I took the time to ask good questions, get to know him. And like that 20 minute call probably made me $5,000, right? If not more. So what's, you know, you start to think about that. What's your time worth? This is so funny. Do we want a consumer triggering a trigger lead before we talk to them? Right. Why would we ever have them create a process where they create pain for themselves before we've even had a conversation to vet this person and like walk them through the process? Right. Of course, it's wild. But again, it was funny. And I know you're a broker. So no offense to brokers or real tail. I don't really care either way. I remember in 2020, one guy was like, he actually unfriended me on Facebook, but he said this. He's like, I doubled my business moving from retail to broker. I was like, Bro, this is 2020. Everybody doubled their business this year. Yes. And he was like, yeah, he got all bent out of shape and like ended up unfriending me. It's okay. Not a big deal. Like, I don't, I don't really care. But it just, it's funny that so many people in 2020 and 21 thought they were hot stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, they thought they were the best thing since sliced bread, right? Like, I'm the best. And I get it because I've had those King Kong moments, right? Where I thought I was on top of the world and I was the best entrepreneur ever until you get humbled and you're like, yeah, oh, shoot, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Or shoot, I wasn't as good as I was. You know, I was just riding the wave. And so I think what's good about markets like this, again, challenges are opportunities. It's like, hey, this has forced us to level up. The people that are not willing to level up have left the industry and are probably going to leave the industry in the next... 12 months, right? It's just going to happen. So if you're in this industry still, you're committed to leveling up. Like you have to be, otherwise you're not going to make any money. And so that's what I think is powerful about these sorts of 
downshift. I mean, we had to do the same thing. We had to adjust our offer, what we did for yeah. people, how we supported people. I mean, our churn was worse now because obviously loan officers are making less money. And so they're a lot tighter on their money and things like that. And so there's a lot of variables there, but it has forced us to level up and has forced us to do things that maybe in the past we thought like, oh, this is fine. We don't need to do that. And so I actually love it to a certain extent. Obviously, you know, challenges aren't always fun, but it still allows us to grow. One thing you talked about earlier, and I want to touch on that as well, is is niching. People so many times think that they shouldn't niche or things like that. And it's like, dude, that is the whole point. I mean, the Bible talks about like, if you're lukewarm, like I'll spit you out, right? It's like, you can't be everything for everyone. You have to choose something and you're still going to get those other loans. Yeah. Like one of the things we do is like we target first responders, teachers, healthcare professionals, veterans, right? Like we create these niches and offers because like, hey, well, first of all, they're super large employers, right? They're the largest employers in the nation are schools, you know, the government, you know, healthcare, healthcare, yeah, like that, right? Those are the biggest employers and they typically make pretty good money. They're W2 income most of the time. They typically have decent credit, things like that, right? So like, how do we target those people, serve them? So selfishly, you get the deal, but on the other side, you also get to serve the heroes of the community. Like, if you can't get behind something like that and like understand that's like, okay, for you, you're, I mean, obviously you're, you're a firefighter, right? So like, that's like a huge tie. And like, you can even talk about that in those sorts of conversations. I'm sure, you know, you probably get a lot of people that are first responders that are coming to you, right? You said you're an EMT too. So it's like, you have that background. Everybody knows a teacher in their family or, you know, someone that's close to them. Everybody probably knows a nurse or a doctor or someone in their family. That's It's very easy to tie yourself to those things and why you're passionate about working with those people or reverse mortgages. Like you talked about, Hey, you know what? I did one reverse mortgage and I completely changed their life. And that's why I'm all in on reverse mortgages. Right. And so there's so much fear around like, well, if I brand myself a certain way, what's that going to do for my business? What are your thoughts on that? I I wanted to touch on that again. Well, two things. One, yes. I want to dive into that. One thing that you talked about before, I want to just close the loop on people need to ask themselves if their confidence was dictated by their revenue or by their skill. Sure. And I would argue that most people's confidence in the last season was dictated by their revenue, not their skill. And so now they have no confidence because they never did. They didn't create the foundation. And now it's time to rebuild it from the ground up, which guys like you guys like me, we're here to help. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two, I think that if you aren't finding a niche that is less or not dependent on interest rates, like this should be the biggest wake up call you'll have in your career. Like reverse mortgages, as an example, are far less impacted by interest right. rates. Right. Non-QM, like investors, far less impacted by interest rates, right? I would be suggesting is have a niche that is less impacted by the interest rate environment. Have a niche, like I would say some sort of a public service first responder, like a clean online direct-to-consumer lead gen, because now you own the relationship with the agent Right. As soon as I say, Luke, I have a referral for you. I am now in charge. I agree. I'm in charge. And so like, man, how refreshing is that? And then if you want to have like the main portion of your business being that core business, fine. But like you should put the least amount of effort into maintaining that because everybody does it. Well, and here's the thing, right? Like, it's funny because I remember how picky and choosy people were like, oh yeah, I want the 740. You know, I do 20% down. So where are those people now? Like, you know, the, the truth is anybody can do that loan anybody and it's going to be competitive anywhere right they'll always beat you on price someone will always be i don't care what you are yeah well that's why retail you know typically makes less on those deals because they know that's the most competitive like with fha like these are first-time home buyers right va these are first-time home buyers they're not going to shop as much they're not going to know as much they're not going to be as sophisticated as the person that's coming in with 20 percent down on a 740 credit score and anybody can do that loan it's an easy simple loan and i get it if that's the model you want to do fine go all in on that but just know that if you don't have a real value proposition, when things like this happen, you're going to lose your 
but and again like that's why i said social media first because that's the biggest platform to market all of your niches right 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 i mean having a billboard on every street corner is super impactful i don't care what time of year it is or what season or what the niche is and for me social media is that billboard and I do that from a place of authenticity. I'm talking about my daughter. I'm talking about my right. love for apple fritters and coffee and whatever, man. And then I'm educating and I'm sharing stories and I'm making jokes and I'm not talking about things that reminds people that their life isn't where they want it. Right. I'm not getting into politics unless I'm strategic about it. Right. But I think that's number one, right? And then the consistent actions that matter, you've got to have that because then that parlays into how you market and communicate and grow your niches. Right. Yeah. It's a huge element. But I also think the other thing too, with things like social media is like, just so you know, if you're listening to this again, like it's probably going to take you six months of consistency before you're going to see any sort of movement. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not, you know, it's not more. Right? right. Right. That's why I said at least. Right. And you're probably going to suck at video at first. You're probably going to suck at making posts. You're not going to know what to post. I mean, I know you touched on this earlier, but the fact that you talked about Instead of talking about DSCR, talk about house hacking, right? I personally think as loan officers, you should learn marketing, copywriting, like learning how to create hooks, learning how to create body copy, things like that, because that'll help you get better at creating content that's actually going to get you eyeballs, right? Because a lot of people put out this educational content as like, I think they're hiding behind this idea that like, oh, I'm putting all this educational content and it's great, but like if no one sees it, who cares, right? And so like you have to learn how to craft your messaging in a way that's compelling for people to actually listen to you, position you as an authority. And again, part of that comes down to consistency. I mean, because people honor consistency. You know, I love how you talked about it. But again, I mean, you're not going to post for like a week and get business. You may post for six months and not get business, especially if you're brand new. I mean, I know when I started, I posted consistently. It probably took me a year before I started to get any sort of traction from just posting. And this was posting all of the time. And like, you know, just for someone who's wondering, like when I was just getting started, you know, with the marketing agency, I'd have like three, four, five clients. I would talk about the same clients in different ways on different days. Yes. I'd talk about, oh, I got five leads today for a client. No one knew that I had four or five clients, right? For all they knew, they probably had 20 clients at the time. I don't know, right? And so it was like, but I was able to talk about things in different ways. So it's like, they don't know I'm talking about a specific thing, but I'm talking about how many leads I got that day or, hey, they got an application or whatever. And so that's part of like, hey, if you don't have a ton of business, you're like, I can't just be posting closings all the time. It's like, you can tell stories about this. Hey, you know what? I had this problem with the appraisal. Here's how I handled it. Tell yeah. a story about it, right? And so there's a, a lot of ways, but again, you're going to suck at first. Let's just be honest. You're going to suck. If you can be consistent, that's going to go a long way and people honor consistency. And you know, you talk about authenticity. I know one of those, one of those things that is kind of cliche because everybody's talking about it. And most people are so worried about positioning. I actually talked about this the other day on social media. I said, you know, the best way to build relationships at scale is to be vulnerable. Like tell yeah. your story, not using social media as your diary either, right? We don't want to know every single little thing that's going on in your life, right? And I mean, negative stuff. Like if you're just complaining all day long, people are going to like tune out pretty quickly, but it's okay for you to talk about your struggles, right? I typically, and I learned this from a mindset coach. She said, you don't have to talk about the things you're going through right now. Like you can say, hey, here's the lessons I learned from the yeah. first thing I went through six months ago or three months ago or whatever. And here's how I solved it. It's a lot easier to do that versus feeling like you're like just airing your dirty laundry well, on social media all the time. I think a mistake that people make on social media is they feel like they have to tell, to your point, what they're going through this exact moment. And the best salespeople I've ever worked with were storytellers. Right. And it's not dishonest to tell a story that impacted you from five years ago, because right. that story impacts somebody differently today. Sure. So, and this is a tip for everybody. What I do is because people are like, what do you post? You know what I do? First and foremost, if you're exhausted and overworked, you're not going to be creative. Right. So right. you have to be creative it requires you to be in a good headspace, a good physical space. 
So like, that's one thing, but I have a journal in my iPhone, in iCloud, just in my notes, and it's my social media post ideas. And so anytime I think of something, which there might be days where I don't have any creativity, I'm tired. I have a two-year-old man, you know, like you're never really getting a lot of rest with, you know, little terrorists running around your house, trying to light your house on fire and cut themselves with knives. So there's days where I have no ideas. Then there's days, man, where I'm like driving home in my Bronco. It's quiet. My mind is churning. I've had a great conversation with somebody cranking out ideas. And I'm putting those ideas in my iCloud note. And I'll then share them later. And I'll frame that. I think something else that people fail to think about, they don't really understand the audience that they're trying to attract. They're just like vomiting on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. But like, what's your audience trying to attract? Like for me... For many years, the audience I was trying to attract and was attracting was real estate agents. I needed referral partners to grow my business. Well, that pivoted once I said to myself, I'm not going to focus on origination. So like I'm unfriending realtors like crazy because they're not my audience and I don't care to hear their stories. Yeah. Now I'm friend requesting entrepreneurs, loan officers who might be a good fit for my brokerage, people that I could like have amazing ideas for our coaching network, people from my co-working space, whatever. But like, you got to understand who you're going after and what they want. Like, why are they on Facebook? Why are they on LinkedIn? Why are they on Instagram or TikTok or whatever? And if you're not thinking through things, you're not a professional loan officer in 2023 or 2024. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I talk about this all the time. Like if you are a loan officer that is trying to originate, you also have two audiences that you can break into more audiences, right? You got the realtors or referral partners, right? It could be financial advisors, realtors, things like that, right? So you can break that into a bunch of different things. And then on the consumer side, it's like you want to craft content specifically to consumers, but are you a first-time home buyer person? Are you a DSCR person? Are you a reverse mortgage person? Are you a, you know, a first responders person? Like, what is it that you do? And I think, you know, I talk about direct to consumer all the time. Obviously, we run a marketing agency. I don't necessarily think you have to buy leads. I don't think you necessarily have to do anything like that, but you have to have a consumer direct strategy, whether that be- Posting reels, TikToks, things like that that are specifically engaging consumers or whatever, whatever strategy it is that you do, hosting seminars or things like that. There has to be a way that you're getting in front of consumers so that you can have leverage. And so many times people are like, well, you know, I get my best referrals from referral partners. Yes, that's because they've been nurtured for freaking 12 months by the referral partner. Correct. Learn how to do that as a loan officer. If you learn how to do that as a loan officer, you're never going to be dependent on anybody else for your business. And by that, I mean, like you always want referrals. But you can pick and choose who you want to work with. And that right there is what this podcast is about, right? Flipping the status quo on real estate agents. It's not about being at odds with them. It's about let's even the playing field. So yeah, and I I know we're running out of time. It's so important for loan officers to understand what it is that their audience wants. And specifically for real estate agents, they want to make more money, right? They don't want a loan. They don't want information about a loan. They only receive it because they're thinking in some way, shape or form, it's going to make them more money, right? So you've got to, without actually creating a compliance nightmare, how do you give them money in every interaction you have with them? Right. Like I was talking to a loan officer the other day and he was super buttoned up, like really straight laced. And it was like boring. And I told him, I said, dude, you feel boring. Are you boring? He's like, I have a marketing degree and I play hockey at night. I'm like, hold on. You sound like a really cool guy. Like you play an adult hockey league, you have a marketing degree. Why are you wearing a suit? Marketing guys in 2023 have skinny jeans, ponytails, plaid shirts on that cost 300 bucks. Like, you don't look like a marketer. He's like, yeah, my boss didn't want me to. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're not growing your business. You look like Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab. And yet you're a cool marketing dude who plays hockey. 
Yeah, yeah. So then I said to him, I said, why aren't you teaching your real estate agents how to market? Like if you have a marketing degree, teach them how to market because it'll make right. them more money. And then he started getting excited. He started understanding it. I think when we kind of shed, we think people want us to do or we think we need to be. And we, again, that like true authenticity isn't wearing a backwards hat because now everybody's wearing a backwards hat. Right. It's like, why do you do it? I started wearing a hat because as a fireman, I had to look professional. And if you wake up at three in the morning and you go on a call and your hair's all over the place, you're not evoking any confidence in anyone. So we would wear ball caps, right? Well, then if I'm working on a CPR patient or doing something, I would turn my hat around to keep it out of my face. Right. So I started wearing backwards hats. It's authentically who I am. It's not just something I'm doing to try to show that I don't need to wear a suit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's a huge disconnect between true authenticity and this fake authenticity that people are pushing right now as being real. Right, right, right. Yeah. Positioning, right? And, and we talk about it in marketing all the time. Oh, you got positioning. And I actually remember one of my buddies was like, oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't be sharing that kind of stuff because like, you know, from a positioning perspective, and then one of my mentors was like, don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what you're doing is exactly what you should be doing. And it was funny because I started the same way. Like when I first kind of got into the marketing world, literally, this is the most stressed up I'll ever get pretty much as a polo suit a polo suit, a polo shirt, or like maybe a Henley, right? If I have to, like, if I'm going to like a wedding or something like that, I may throw on, you know, a button up shirt. Like that's a stretch. I usually just wear either my polos or my graphic tees, my tees that I created for my brand. Right. And, and that's another thing, right? Go all in on a brand, go all in on yourself. So many people like do not go all in on themselves. And you're like, bro, like, do you really believe that you're the best at what you do? Or are you, you just don't like, look like it. You don't yeah. sound like it. You don't seem like you care about like your own brand and you're like, okay, you, you care about Barrett or you care about Edge Home or you care about, you know, guaranteed rate, but like, who are you? Like, you're the brand, not those companies. And so I know we can go on that forever. So real quick to try to wrap things up here. I know we're a little over time, but to wrap things up, give us like one thing. If you were to go out there and start over today, what is the one thing that you would do to get business today? Yeah, it would actually be getting in a group with like-minded originators because there are hundreds of things you could do right now that could effectively grow your business. Every one of those things could also be a huge distraction if you don't sure. know what you're doing and it's not perfect for you. Sure. So I would start by finding three to five people that you could meet with weekly and engage with them in transparent conversation. And if these people are mentally fat, they're out of shape mentally, I wouldn't meet with them. I want to meet with people who are hungry, who are looking to improve, who are like-minded, who are constantly on the bleeding edge of what's working technology-wise. I would surround myself with people like that. And the beautiful thing about Facebook is you can do that. Like you can do that right now. So before right. I got into like an actual tactic, those are irrelevant if you don't have the right people around you. It's like, what football team is this free agent quarterback going to play for? It doesn't matter. Does he have a nutritionist? Does he have his, his strength coach? Because if he goes to a team and he's not in the position he needs to be, he's not going to be successful. So right. I would start with that. And then number two, I would go back to the five, four, three, two, one. We made that super simple. It works in any market, whether you're retail broker, banker, it's irrelevant. And all of those strategies, Luke are 100% free with the exception of maybe having to like pay for a coffee in-person meeting, right. right? But right. five, four, three, two, one, it's on our podcast as well. We broke it down here. I would absolutely do that, but I would start by finding a group of peers that you can surround yourself with. Yeah, man, that's amazing. And I think so many times people try to build things in isolation. And interestingly enough, that's one of the things I first sought out when I was starting in the marketing world was like, I need to find like, you know, the communities, where's the communities of people that I can get around. And like, you know, over time you shift and you grow and stuff like maybe the community you started in is like the beginner community. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, I know there's like, you know, new loan officer group, right? Like sometimes those are going to be good. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, man, these guys are talking about stuff that like is not really helping me grow. 
but that was a great stepping stone to that next level of built relationships, things like that. So I love that. Shane, thank you so much for your time today. If someone wanted to look some more information about, I know you guys have a podcast, you know, some programs, things like that. If someone wanted to reach out or learn a little bit more about Next Level Loan Officers, the podcast, where should they go? Yeah, I mean, it's easy. We have a free community. It's open to anyone in the mortgage industry. We have over 2,200 members. You can go to becomenl.com, get access for free. If you want to connect with me, man, I'd love to. Just my tagline for all of my socials is Shane R. Kidwell. And I would love to connect with more people. This is my passion, helping people build legacy wealth be entrepreneurs and control their destiny. And I think that that's what's so exciting about the time we're in. Yeah, man, I love that. It is exciting. I think uh, one of the things I love about social media is it never before has it been so easy to network at scale. 100%. Right? Right? And as someone who's ADHD who has rejection sensitivity dysphoria, I didn't realize why going to networking events was like so hard for me, right? I'm like, I'm such a like loud, obnoxious person when I'm around people that I know. But as soon as I step into a BNI or a networking event, I'm like, I sit in the corner and I hide. I don't talk to anybody, right? And so I just was like, the heck? And so I was like, screw this. I'm not doing that anymore. And I just started building relationships on social. And it came down to being authentic and helping people. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize it wasn't a strategy at the time. It was just who I am as a person. So I just was helpful with people and things like that. And slowly and surely and slowly and surely. And it just kept building. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's what I did. So, you know, my biggest takeaways from today was really that whole idea of social media. Like, you know, obviously social media is a, a massive tool that we can leverage. And I think it really comes down to being consistent. And again, gonna suck at first. And it's gonna take a long time to get traction, right? So do the five, four, three, two, one, because it'll allow you to do the post consistently. But then you're also doing the things like getting in front of people, right? Like actually talking to people every single day, right? So you're not just hoping for someone to react to your post, you're taking proactive actions. And I think that's where a lot of people miss out is they just post a couple times, they post a couple times, like, I'm not getting any business. You're like, yes, because you're not being consistent. And you're not taking action, right? And, and I don't mean like you're not taking action posting, but DMing, there's a lot of strategies. We could go deep on a lot of that stuff too. So I'm not going to get into that. But thank you so much, Shane, for everything, man. That was fantastic. And for anybody who is interested in learning how we are helping loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.